This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the return, if you will, of the Sooner Sports Podcast with Toby Rowland. It's been we, a while. Yeah, it has been. It was hard with travel because the game was on a Monday, and that's when we typically tape our podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it it would make a lot of sense to do a, a podcast that we tape on Monday and drops on Tuesday when we don't. We should have taped two. We should have taped one celebrating a win. <laughs> contingency <have> <laughs> podcast. <laughs> a contingency podcast. Now, here we are now, so. Let's week. make the most of it. What a trip. Uh, can that was we, great. Can we go through your road trip real quick before yeah. we get to the particulars of the game? My word, man. That was something else. Um, well, it was the same as yours. I just spent the night in Fort Worth. Oh, that's right. You took, And I went up to Tulsa instead of going straight to Norman, so that mm-hmm. kind of made it a little bit unique. We drove down. Let's see. We had a game here on the 30th, the Baylor game that did not go very well. Basketball here on the 30th. And uh, my family went with me to New Orleans. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to take my family to a bowl game uh, with me and uh, they wanted to go this year they'd never been to New Orleans and the timing worked out so we all hopped in the car early Saturday morning on New Year's Eve as you did yes and made the drive down to New Orleans that was a fun day to drive because you had uh, you had a bunch of bowl games on that day to listen to on the way down including uh, the two semifinals the the part that wasn't fun was a torrential rainstorm yeah, yeah. that hit Louisiana uh, from about, I don't know what it was for you. For us, it was from about 20 miles south of Shreveport until we pulled into New Orleans. And it was full wipers the whole way. I mean, it was going 40 miles an hour or less at times, and, and that wasn't a lot of fun at all. When you're going over swamps and all you see is water on both sides, and you're like, this is getting higher right? as we go. But and- we made it. It was very, it was very nerve wracking for me too because there are certain things I think for all of us that are kind of triggers that get you concerned or upset. And and my, for my wife, it's rain when you drive. Mm. So as well, she, that was not a good day for her. Then. As she was the passenger, and we were lucky. We didn't hit it until just outside of Baton Rouge. Oh wow! And yeah, we got real lucky. You drove in it like most of the way. It was <laughs> hours and hours. <laughs> and she every time there would be a car, she oh oh slow down. Babe, we're okay. I I think I can see this. But then we finally got to the game, and what a performance. What uh, an atmosphere. What a way to cap off. We just finished taping TV for Sooner Sports Spotlight. What a way to cap off uh, a season that if you would have told most people in one and two would end up with ten straight wins, they would have told you you're crazy. But so is the way with Baker Mayfield, Bob Stoops, and what P. Ryan and Mixon did this year. Yeah, I mean, they found a way that we're sitting here at the end of the season – Feeling pretty good about things, you know, and I, that's quite an accomplishment because not just when they were one and two, but for several weeks after that, there was this kind of feeling in the air that, yeah, they won, but still, you know, this season isn't going anywhere. And we thought they were going to play for a national championship, and good it's a point. disappointment. Right. They're, they're winning some games here, but it's still a disappointment. And that lingered deep into the season, I think, for a lot of people. Right, maybe until the West Virginia game did I see that start to turn to where people started to kind of believe again and how good this football team really was, and that they're gonna have a chance to win another championship, and then they they do against uh, uh, Oklahoma State, 
And I think people were excited about this game um, because it was an SEC opponent, because it was a New Year's Day six bowl. Uh, the, the experience last time that Oklahoma went to New Orleans, I think people were excited and uh, they delivered. I mean, that was a very impressive performance. I thought Oklahoma was one of the most impressive teams this bowl season uh, to handle Auburn the way they did. They handled them. Yep. Uh, physically, uh, speed, precision, everything about that game, Oklahoma was the better team, and I thought they made a statement. So everyone gets excited for 2017 now, and understandably so. We got a little bit of time before we get there. I wanted to take one quick look back at the season itself. What You hit West Virginia as a moment when it seemed like fans kind of started to get back on. And listen, fans are on board, most of them nonstop, but maybe some of the attitudes changed from being negative to, wow, we – we're actually going to be okay. It's kind of talking about the feedback we get maybe on yeah, our radio and, and, and Twitter and, and Twitter yeah. and social media and stuff. So maybe that's a little bit unfair. But for for you personally, when was that moment whenever you thought, "Hey, we're going to we're going to be okay. This team's going to be okay for the rest of the season after starting 1 and 2?" Hmm, boy, that's a good question. Um You know, I don't know if I really believed, I don't know, believe's not a good word, in how good they were. I kept thinking all along, this has a chance, these guys have a chance to win the Big 12. Right. They have a chance. Um, but it might have even been West Virginia for me, to be honest, because, you know, Baylor was, was really struggling when they came into Norman. And they had to fight off TCU in Texas late. And you know, nothing about the wins over Kansas or Iowa State do you thump your chest about necessarily. But West Virginia is a hard place to win, and that was a good football team. And when they went in there and 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 uh, destroyed them mm-hmm. the way they did on their home field in prime time was kind of, I guess, the eye-opener for me. That ooh, I mean, what D.D.'s doing is special and what Baker's doing is special, and these running backs are good and this offensive line's getting better. But I don't know if I knew they were that good. Right. And then they did it again, and then they did it again. And I'm not so sure the team wasn't the same way. I think I think their belief meter kept building as the year. Maybe even the coaches, too, as the year went along from, man, we got a lot to get better at, too. By the end of the year, by that West Virginia OSU-Auburn run, they were feeling pretty good about themselves. And you saw it on the field. I uh, it, it was funny because I'm I'm much like that, you know. I'm kind of I'm usually a glass half full kind of guy, but then I often often wonder if if I'm too full <laughs> when it comes to optimism. I thought Kansas State, and not that mm-hmm. Kansas State was this great team or anything, but there's been like this odd thing in that series where the home team always right. loses, <laughs> and and right. I kind of thought whenever Kansas State came in and they beat them by three scores, that was a moment where I was like, wow. And, and I can remember the conversations we had, wow, is this defense turning a corner, uh, and then Texas Tech happened. Mm-hmm. But since the Texas Tech game, Toby, the defense, I mean, uh, and again, you don't want to get too carried away with Kansas. Three points against Kansas. Uh, a lot 24 against Iowa State on a Thursday night whenever they had a lot of momentum. The Sooners were down to their, I guess, essentially fourth-string running back. You know, even Abdul Adams wasn't 100%. They, uh, against Baylor, though Seth Russell got hurt, 24 points they gave up. They gave up 28 to West Virginia in a bend-but-don't-break kind of a night because mm-hmm. West Virginia ran the football. And then only 20 to Oklahoma State and then shut down uh, Al- uh, Auburn. Auburn, without that late touchdown, it's a much different kind of – I guess out at least thought process mindset for people, but 
I thought it's kind of unappreciated, and maybe because West Virginia put up the big rushing numbers, some people don't want to get too carried away with praise, but I was really impressed with the way the defense kind of bowed their neck down the stretch this season. They hung in there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this was not one of uh, Mike Stoops or Bob Stoops' best defenses. Um, I mean, the stats will tell you that. That's no offense to the guys. They're just – Statistically, when you have a night like you had against Texas Tech and a night like you had against West Virginia, it, it can't be. But they hung in there. Um, some guys were forced to play that ended up being real stalwarts for this team. And you look at Gallimore and DJ Ward and, and, and Jordan Wade and Austin Roberts and Matt Romar. Those weren't the, the names we were saying when this year started, not all no. of them anyway, about production on the defensive line. Caleb Kelly in the bowl game was – sensational. Oboe was really good for him all year, but Jordan Evans turned a corner at some point in the season and became really good for him. Jordan Parker, who wasn't on the radar when the year began, got better and better and better as the year went along. So they hung in there, and I think the last six quarters, they were great. They they weren't just good, they were great. The last half against Oklahoma State and the entire night against Auburn, um, I thought they were fantastic, and I I, I know it was a really frustrating season for Bob and Mike and for that whole defense and for Sooner fans who love good defense. Right. Um, It was a frustrating season. Fortunately, they had an offense that was good enough to overcome it most nights, uh, every night except uh, two of the three early in the year. And, um, you know, I think that there are promising days ahead because a lot of those guys that I mentioned are young, and they've got really promising crop it looks like coming in yeah you mentioned with uh and you just think about those guys that were thrust into action this year and now that experience that they carry over two guys jump right to the front of your mind and neville gallimore and caleb kelly but toby let's not forget about the guy on the other side of jordan thomas what jordan parker Mm -hmm. did this season is still pretty special uh and from what at least, you know, we'll have a lot on recruiting as we get closer to it. We can't talk too terribly much about it, but from the uh, the Sooner Squad 17 that you see so much on Twitter, it looks like that could be something pretty special as well, too. Yeah, Will Sunderland's got to step up for Ahmad Thomas. You've got to find somebody to fill that leadership void at inside linebacker. You know, maybe I shouldn't even say leadership, just that void in general, too, mm-hmm. for Jordan Evans as well, too. I, I'm confused by the bowl season, too. Oh, yeah? And... The how, how the Big Twelve did and how the Big Twelve defenses did. Yeah, they, you know that stat's been making the round on social media about the Big Twelve allowed fewer points than any other conference in uh, in the bowl season. And you know I watched the same regular season everybody else did. I didn't think the Big Twelve defenses were very good. And then they go into the bowl season and OU plays Auburn like they did, and Kansas State plays A and M like they did, and Oklahoma State just trounced Colorado. They go four and two. And the defenses looked pretty good. And I know that's a small sampling, but I think it's got everybody wondering maybe if they weren't a little, maybe a little bit too hard on the Big 12 defenses this year. Maybe the Big 12 offenses were just really, really good and they were hard to slow down as other conferences saw in the bowl games. Maybe not, but I think at least the results kind of made everybody take a second look at how we evaluated this conversation. And, and, and then when we have those conversations, uh, people get mad, oh, you can't gauge anything off bowl games. And they'll get mad at you. But I think I – think you got to gauge it off something. Have? Yeah, right. you've got the non-conference and you got the bowl games to compare conferences. Right. It's all you have. And the reason that we thought the Big 12 was bad, the reason we came to that conclusion, everybody did, is because they had a terrible non-conference. And Oklahoma was a part of that. You know, Houston and Ohio State. 
And then they all play each other, and so you can't really change your mind about how conferences compare until you get to the bowl games. Last year, the Big 12 had a terrible bowl season. Uh, this year, the Big 10, who we all thought was the best conference, had a terrible bowl. Were they 3-7? and seven? Yeah, they got smoked in the bowls. So I don't know how else you evaluate conferences other than when they play each other. And, and at least this was a step in the right direction, I think, for the Big 12. That stat that Toby was alluding to is that the Big 12, if uh, you can take all bowls, a compilation of all the bowls, allowed 21.5 points per game, that was the lowest. Uh, a good almost four points better than the SEC defenses and almost a 10-point swing from the Big Ten defenses. 21.5 was the Big 12, just to give a – ACC was 22.4, 25.4 points per game allowed by the SEC, 29.2 by the Pac-12, and 29.8 by the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, You, the Big 12 is going to have to get into the Final Four and win championships to ultimately change people's minds. they got they got to get a national champion yep. soon, like in the next two or three years, I think, to start turning the narrative. But this was a step in the right direction. If they had gone one and five, which they were only favorite in one of the six bowl games, only Oklahoma was a favorite this bowl season, you know, then you continue to pile on and say this is the worst of the five conferences, but they didn't. They went four and two. They looked really good, and I think people raised their eyebrows a little bit and said, hmm, hmm. non-conference next year will be fascinating. Yeah. Because there's a lot of really good – uh, non-conference Big 12 games, and almost all of them are on the road next year. OU goes to Ohio State. Texas goes to USC. OSU goes to Pitt. You got more? I was just going to – I'm trying to look it up while you're sitting here talking about it is because I wasn't aware of too terribly much outside of OU and Ohio uh, TCU State. TCU goes to Arkansas. Uh, Texas Tech has Arizona State. I think it's in Lubbock. That's in Lubbock because they were in mm-hmm. – uh, Tempe last year. Baylor goes to Duke. Not that that's a uh, a huge game, but they're Still a decent something. Power Five yeah. team, and they've got to play them on the road. Uh, but uh, there's another one I'm missing that's pretty big, and I can't remember who it is. Uh, I want to say uh, West Virginia plays Virginia Tech at a neutral site. Uh, so, but again, uh, OU at Ohio State, U- Texas at USC. They got some monster non-conference road games. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, with that said. Looking back, we'll be covering a team for the first time in a while without Samaj P. Ryan, huh. all-time leading rusher. What an amazing career. It's hard. Jessica Cootie has a really good sit-down. I'm trying to talk Jess into letting us have the audio for next week's podcast. and just she being stingy with it? I, I don't think I've asked. Okay. But uh, 30 minutes. It sounded just, like there was a negotiation nah, going on. It there. might be. It might be. I don't know yet. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But there was a 30-minute sit-down. Yeah. with him. I mean, he doesn't talk That's that That's amazing. That, that really is. You know, Pop, Jeremy Poplin said that whenever they were at Big 12 Media Days, he goes, man, Samaje just talked. And I'm like, are you sure you were interviewing Samaje P. Right? <laughs> so there's a, a couple, of, and this was one of them with Jess, and I want to hear it, and I want to listen to the whole 30 minutes, not just the you know five or six that we saw on TV or at Soonersports.tv. But I, I wish he would have let more of his personality come out, but I get it, because he's a team guy, and he's not about himself, and he doesn't want to sit there and brag on Samaje P. Ryan, but it's still pretty amazing when you look back at what he was able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. It's a fun story because, you know, we were here when he was recruited and when he was a part of that signing class, and he wasn't the headliner. No, Joe Mixon was. Right, and I was – was uh, it was Keith Ford the year before that? Keith Ford was the year before okay. that, yeah, because he was already on campus. Joe Mixon's the star. Yep. And, oh, by the way, they got another running back, uh, Samaje Perrine. Perrine, something like that. 
Um, but it doesn't matter because they got Joe Mixon. Right. Right? I mean, that's what everybody – nobody knew how to say his name. Um, but I was at a, a couple of functions that summer with Bob Stoops who was trying to tell people, hey, this guy's pretty good. He was saying his name wrong. <laughs> and every, and all they could care about well, – and no, and no knock on anyone. You got a five-star running back. You got Joe, Joe Mixon. Mixon. Right. He had we knew how to say his back. name. Yeah. No offense to Joe Mixon. He's pretty good. But uh, who's this other cat? And I remember <laughs> I remember he got into a game fairly early in the season, first, second, third game of the year, whatever, uh, and ran over somebody. <laughs> Just plastered a linebacker or a safety. Somebody came up to make a, a tackle, and we all kind of looked at each other and said, ooh, I like this kid. And then the year went along, and he had that huge West Virginia game that was kind of his coming out party. And But – uh, I have absolutely loved watching and calling Samaje Pirine the last three years, the physicality he runs with, the highlights he's given us, how clutch he has been in fourth quarters as Oklahoma salts games away on his back. He's been a workhorse. He hands the ball to the referee when he scores a touchdown. He's never a problem. He's a team leader. He's liked by everyone. And he runs over people with ferocity. <laughs> and I just, it's awesome. And uh, I'm going to miss him around here. What an amazing record. Uh, I, is there a better one you could set at OU? I no. mean, when you look at all the great running backs, I don't know if there's a better list you could be at the top of than the all time great running backs in OU history. And we were, you know, it's funny because when someone breaks a record, you automatically start the debate of, well, he holds a record, but he's not the best ever. Or he holds a record, and he is the greatest yeah. ever. And it's so funny because if you want to say something along the lines of, and I heard I heard James Hale bring this up, who's on our radio station, he goes, keep in mind, Billy Sims didn't play the second half of a majority of his games. Mm -hmm. Great point. Sure. Great point. Uh, but also keep in mind, Samaj and Piran missed quite a few games with injuries right. throughout his career. Oh, yeah, and even though it's somewhat of a of a skewed perspective, this was, in a lot of times during the Piran era, a pass-first offense, Yeah, uh, at least in perception. They're running an air raid. Yeah, air raid, right, exactly. <laughs> and he's setting the all-time rushing record at the University of I don't Oklahoma. know if I would pick Samaje either. If you, right. if you told me you're going to take the field and you can pick one OU running back all-time. Oof. I don't know. I probably don't. I probably pick Billy or Joe. Um, but if you tell me it's the fourth quarter and we've got a lead and you can pick one OU running back all time, I'm taking 32. I'm taking some AJP Ryan because he destroyed. It, it, the thing is, he sets it up. He sets it up the first one, two, three quarters. And by the time you get to the fourth, those defenses are absolutely tired of being hit. And he puts games away and you look at that time of possession number this year that OU had in the fourth quarter of games almost always on his back it was amazing I mean 10 plus of the 15 minutes time and time and time again they would possess the ball and just strangle opponents in the fourth quarter and uh, that's a, a lot of that was Samaj P. run you know we expect so much from Baker Mayfield that it just kind of – we talked about this on Spotlight, but you haven't heard a lot of people bringing it up. You haven't heard a lot of fans asking about it, but he became – forgot about Adrian Peterson. I might take Adrian Peterson. I'm sorry. Go hey, ahead. After Steve watching, Owens after watching DeMarco I might pick Murray, Steve Owens. I might take DeMarco Murray too, man. He's <laughs> Greg ended up Pruitt. having a heck of a career. Greg Pruitt was pretty might, good. I might, might take, take Greg Pruitt, right. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, we could do this all day. I know. We could do this all day. Golly, we've had some good running backs. Pass efficiency all-time leader in college football history. 
are the, I guess maybe the better way to say it would be the all-time leader for a single-season pass efficiency rating. What a, I mean, talk that, about under the radar. That's another thing that doesn't make a lick of sense because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because what was the uh, uh, the story on Baker Mayfield? The scouting report on Baker Mayfield when he got here is capable of making the spectacular play, but he's a wild card, and he's, right. he's also capable of throwing it to the wrong team. And Lee, we got that wrong. Yeah. I mean – it's not like I've said this before. It's not like he's making easy throws, and that's why his completion percentage is over seventy percent, and uh, his pass efficiency is in an all-time record. It's not. It's not. They're not running a simple offense with a bunch of dink and dunks here. Uh, he's throwing bombs to DD. He's throwing that pass on fourth down in the Sugar Bowl was Sick. unbelievable that he made. Uh, double coverage, he puts it over one guy in front of another, right on the sideline, on the move, while a 300-pound guy is chasing him. <laughs> and he did that time and time and time again. And the fact that Baker Mayfield holds the all-time pass efficiency record, I mean, you almost you almost think they did the math wrong, you know? <laughs> because he's too much of a swashbuckler. He's right. too much of a riverboat gambler. Absolutely. That's not Baker Mayfield. Everybody has this perception that Baker Mayfield is a risk taker and uh, a wild card. And, boy, has he changed our minds on that. Yeah, and think about that leadership coming back next year and the things that he learned from what they did wrong in the two of their first three games this year. You know, you worry about someone stepping up to replace D.D. Westbrook, but you've seen flashes from guys like Michael Jones. And there's – I look over the sideline, I see three guys in uh, uh, Dahu Green – in Jeffrey Mead and A.D. Miller, who they look like the kind of receivers Jeffrey I Mead see had on a really Sunday. Nice sugar bowl. He had a nice finish to his season. So, I mean, I just I get so excited about 2017 from a Baker Mayfield offensive perspective that I – Mark Andrews is only a sophomore. Mark Andrews is going to be back. I stop myself and realize, oh, boy, it's January. <laughs> we got a long <laughs> – we'll have signing day to tide us over. We'll have spring ball to tide us over a little bit. But it's, you know, it's still very early in that wait. And this happened. So, with that said, to wrap up football, because I do – I want to talk basketball with you before we get out of here. And we're going a little long, but we haven't done one in a while, so that's okay. okay. Can you carry over momentum from the bowl? Um, you know, we kind of talked about this before. I'm, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, more than anything, it just kind of sets the tone and the atmosphere around a program for the next nine months. Um, whether you are being constantly criticized because of how you played or whether you are being praised because of how it ended. And uh, you got to be careful there. I mean, you got to be careful that there's not complacency that sets in, and you don't work as hard when when spring and summer comes around because you, you, you your chest is puffed out a little bit or whatever. But it's nice, you know. It's nice, and I I think that I think what you can take, I think what this team can take is we knew Baker Mayfield was good and and a, and a bunch of stuff. I don't know if Mixon's coming back, but this offensive line is really good, and all of them are back. All of them are back. And I think they go into next year with a whole lot of confidence, which for an offensive line is a big deal. And the physicality that the defense played with in the Sugar Bowl, I think Mike Stoops can put that tape on and show these guys and the new guys that are coming in the Ahmad Thomas hit and some of the other big plays in that game and say, this is what Oklahoma defense is about. And we didn't see that all year this year. Right. And the fact that they showed it in their last game, I think that could do 
a world of good for Mike Stoops as he coaches these guys up going into the next year. Uh, by the way, I wrote this down just real quick. Here's some of the non-conference games in the Big 12 for 2017 that we can look forward to. Week 1, Maryland at Texas. In, in Big Ten versus S, uh, Big Twelve, West Virginia versus Vatech, as you mentioned. You got TCU at Arkansas in Week Two, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, and then you have Ohio State. Did I say Oklahoma State? Yeah, that's okay. They I do eventually meant. play. Each other. They will. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at Thank you, Ohio State. Uh, and then in Week Three, listen to this. You have five games. You have Arizona State at Tech, as you mentioned. Baylor at Duke, as you mentioned. Kansas State's at Vandy, okay. which had a nice little run okay, this season. Game, yeah. Oklahoma State's at Pitt. Yeah, good game. And then Texas is at USC. And you're right; they're all outside of Tech on well, the road. Well, I mean, a- again, you here. you you have a chance there to start to continue to change people's minds. If OU goes and beats Ohio State in Columbus, that's a big deal. It's hard to see Texas going and beating USC the way USC closed the season, but if they did, that's a big deal. So there's an opportunity there to maybe start to, again, chisel away at the negative perception of this conference. Absolutely. All right. Uh, in wrapping up, I've kept you long. For those that are – we taped this on a Thursday. You're getting ready to go do the uh, Lon Kruger-Sherry Cole Coaches Show. You had the what the men's game on Tuesday, then the women's game last night. So you've seen both teams firsthand, mm-hmm. and you'll see, you see every single men's basketball game. Uh, what's got, what's it going to take for this team to turn things around? Um, I think that we saw some positive signs on Tuesday, and it, it was a loss – same bugaboo in closing out games, uh, winning, figuring out how to win games, make big shots, get big stops in the final five minutes. They're not there yet. They haven't figured that out. And that's driving Lon Kruger crazy, and it's driving this team crazy. But they led that game for 35 minutes on the road against a pretty good team. TCU's improved this year under Jamie Dixon. They unveiled unveil, unveil a zone against Baylor. They played it a ton against TCU, and they were really good at it. They they kind of baffled TCU for a while with it. Um, we saw McGusty play with a lot of confidence off the bench, and Christian Doolittle be more aggressive in the post, and Matt Freeman play better. Just more energy and umph. and I thought it was really encouraging how they played. I wish they could have got a win to kind of reinforce that, but they didn't, and they got another tough one on Saturday, but – I think what it's going to take to answer your question is they got to win one of these. They got to play well, be in a close game in the final five minutes, make the play to win it, and and have that feeling of oh okay that's what it is. That's what we got to do. Now we know we can do it. Now we know we can do it. Let's go do it again because they've shown they're good enough to be in games, you know, without Jordan Woodard, but they haven't yet shown that they are good enough to win games when they're close late, other than the Clemson game. They haven't been in one of these tight games where they've been able to pull it out, and I think that's what they got to do. And how about Sherry Colstein? That, that, that was a good win on Wednesday because it almost some, got uh, away. Like, yeah, some acid or something during that one. It I almost was... got away. Uh, boy, Maddie Manning's playing great basketball right now. Gabby Ortiz is back in the starting lineup playing great basketball. But Nancy Mulkey has changed this team. I mean, She's the awesome. emergence of Nancy from someone who plays five minutes a game to someone who starts and is a major factor in this conference this year. When you can go from Mulkey to Viennese Pierre-Louis back and forth, and she subs them frequently to keep somebody fresh on the court, there is a big-time shot blocker on the court at all times. And teams are scared to try to score inside against them. And so they're better defensively because of that, which has led to a lot of transition buckets the other way. And uh, I'm happy for them. they got a tough next couple of games. They go to West Virginia and to Iowa State. The next two are on the road at tough outposts. 
But 3-0, that's that's a pretty solid start. I'm going to wrap up by playing my Gabby Ortiz interview from earlier. But, uh, Toby, have a great uh, rest of your week, and we'll catch up with you early next week. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right, buddy. Speaking of the OU women's basketball team, had a chance to catch up with Gabby Ortiz after her huge shot led the Sooners to overtime and an eventual win over Kansas State. Congratulations on the win last night. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, thank you. Uh, always feeling great after a win. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel good. And it's a, it's a new day and time to look, look forward to, to the next game. But uh, it's always good to live in that for a little bit. Take me through the game-tying shot. Uh, was that the design of the play? And how good did it feel once the ball hit the bottom of the net? Um, it wasn't really the design of the play. I mean, we knew what we needed. Um, and it kind of just happened, you know, two balls guys into the ball and I was kind of left pretty wide open and um it uh I knew I knew I had to be ready for it I saw the you know clock run down I knew we needed three so um I just had my hands and feet ready and um it, it felt good going up it was uh it was a bit of a challenging game because you guys dominated in the first and third quarters and then struggled a bit in the second and fourth Gabby how much I don't want to say challenge but how important was it for you guys to stay together during that big fourth quarter run that the Wildcats put forth Oh, it was huge. Um, I mean, I think it, it shows a testament to our, our confidence and um, how we've grown. Um, you know, they went on, you know, we were up one time, we're up by 10, and then you look at it and, and we're trailing for the first time. And so, you know, you could, you know, turn into a shell and kind of get scared and not do anything about it. But um, I think, we, you know, we, we grabbed arms and um, we kept fighting and, you know, we had a, we had a will to win. And, um, yeah, I just think think uh, we just had real great confidence and, and we trusted in one another. One another. Sooners are out to a three and zero start in conference play. Gabby Ortiz joins us four for four from three point range. I, I go back to you and I talking in the preseason, and I was lucky enough to watch a little bit of your practice, and your stroke really seemed smooth, Gabby. How much improved do you feel you are as a shooter, and how has that continued to be uh, an added weapon for you this season? Um, I think. Uh... I've made improvements. Um, it hasn't necessarily shown um, throughout the beginning of this year. I've uh, been struggling a little bit, but nothing. I mean, it, it still it still has felt pretty good, and um, it kind of showed last night. And I just want to keep building on that. Um, you know, you put you put a lot of work in and a lot of shots up, and you just you know shooting shooting's mental half the time. Um, and uh, once you once you get in that good place, and you know you're just you're just playing free and, and not thinking about it. Um, that's when I'm at my best. So um, I just got to keep playing in that space. When when you go out during the off season and you're trying to improve as a shooter, is it just putting up shots, Gabby? Do you watch videos? Is there anything that you do to kind of try to improve outside of just gym time? Um, yeah, I mean, film is a big big asset too. Um, I don't always love to do it because I don't like sitting still. Um, <laughs> But, uh, um, you know, even whether it's, you know, watching previous games of yourself and learning from yourself or, um, you know, watching the best guys in the, in the world um, play the game, um, that's always a positive, too. And I could always um, improve on the film that I watch and the more that I do it because um, I, like I like to be in the gym more, more than do that. But um, those are all big factors. Um, and, and then, obviously, along with getting shots up, just doing, you know, doing it game speed or what what's you're actually going to get in the game rather than just sitting there and 
do informed shooting. But um, yeah, there's just little things here and there that 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 help in the off season. Does it ever kind of blow your mind, Gabby, when you see the experience on this team that you have with so many upperclassmen, <laughs> but then you look out at the starting lineup and there's two freshmen <laughs> that are out there with you right now, uh, and, and both. I mean, t- to me, what I see, I see two players that don't really play or even act like freshmen on the court. Oh yeah, I mean that's huge. Um, it's funny, yeah, funny that you say that because we are such a you know we're a senior and um, experienced team, and to have to have two freshmen out there with us with all of that talent on the bench as well is, um, I mean that's huge. We, you know we had a deep bench and we love it because you know the fact that they can they're playing like that and you know I think their their confidence are there and 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 they're just playing. You know they um, they're stepping up. They're they're getting used to just to big moments and. Um, they've been great for us. How big was it for you? I, I was with you guys in Lawrence to take advantage of that opportunity whenever you were reinserted back to the starting lineup. Gabby, I know you're a team player, so you just love to get out there and play and help your team. But how was that for your confidence and now going forward to get that shot to start again in Kansas and then to take advantage of the last three games? Um, I mean, yeah, it helps. Uh, obviously, you know, as a competitor, you want you want to be in that in that five, but. Um, you know, it's a team sport, and you know, I learned it. It was hard at first, but you know, wherever wherever I was, I was gonna do what I needed to do. And um, we, you know, we got a great one-two punch, and I was, you know, like I was gonna be ready coming off the bench or starting whatever. So be it. Um, so I don't think that really changed anything. I just think when my time was called, I needed to be ready, and um, I was just trying to focus and being in that moment whenever whenever my time came. So. Um, just the, the, seeing the shots fall, that obviously always helps. So um, I, I'm in a good place. Maddie's really had a, a terrific start to her senior season. Can you can you kind of give us a little perspective of what she's like mm-hmm. on the court and what she's like in preparation? Because, Gabby, we see a player that's uh, that's so laid back and, and, and seems <laughs> to be so calm and cool, but then sometimes there's like a, 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 fl- a switch that flips whenever she hits the court or when she's in practice and she's, uh, she's in people's ears. She's staying fired up. How important has she been and what's her personality like for this team? Oh yeah, she's been huge. Um, I mean, you can tell by her demeanor and what she's been doing on the court that she's a veteran player, um, and uh, she's you know she's decided to 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 be that player and to um, take us in the right direction. I mean, what she does, she impacts the team so much um, by her play and and how she you know how she leads and what she says, and a lot of people follow in that, and so she's been huge with that. Um, you know, just. Uh, you know, when she gets fired up, I think a lot of it, you know, started in, in Vegas. Um, you know, she kind of was playing playing with a little bit of an anger, which can, can be good or bad, but um, <laughs> she's just, she's been um, she's been dialed in and focused. And uh, like I said, I love feeding off it. We all love feeding off it. And um, yeah, she's just been great for us. 38 minutes last night, the fourth most of your career in a single game. So from that perspective, Gabby, how's your body feel? Are you ready for the quick turnaround on Sunday? Oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll be ready. Obviously, it's you know there, you bump some bruises here and there, and and you get used to the Big Twelve play. You know, back to back, you don't got a lot of time to recover, so you got to be smart with what you do. Um, you know, we'll have treatment here in about an hour. Uh, go, you know, do some ice and heat, um, and and right back at it because uh, we got two um, big road games coming up here. Gabby, can you take us through? You know, there was a cool feature last year that Sooner Sports TV did about playing for a coach who was a point guard herself. And obviously that can be a challenge sometimes because there's always that, you know, they're very 
I don't want to say Coach Cole is overly critical, but they know everything about the position, and and they're going to be on you to make sure you're you're playing it to perfection. But it's also a great benefit because they understand everything that you're going through. Can you kind of take us through what that balance is like being a point guard, playing for someone who used to be a point guard themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think I said it before. I mean, you you know, there's more. It's I guess you know kind of the hardest position, especially with with the coach being that and knowing and understanding it. So you're going to get pushed the most and you're going to get asked of the most, but um, it's also the most, you know, very rewarding as well. So once you figure out the balance of that and, um, you know, there's a lot of highs and lows and, you know, Coach Cole is going to push you and, um, you know, make you uncomfortable or not tell you what you want to hear. But um, in the end, it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to be for best for you. And um, just, you know, finding that balance as, you know, point guard being that leader and also, you know, helping your teammates in the way you can and also um, being able to put the ball in the hoop. So um, it's obviously it, it's challenging, and I love that challenge, and um, I wouldn't want to um, play at any other position. I want to ask you about one more of your teammates real quick. I asked you about the freshman. I asked you about Maddie. But, you know, Joya went through kind of a, a tough stretch there for a couple of games where she, I, mm-hmm. I think, was held scoreless once and, you know, just had, had kind of struggled a bit. But starting with – Kansas it really seemed like she's found another level had a big night last night with 12 points and four rebounds you know it's pretty important whenever you have those senior leaders stepping up how big is it for this team to see Joya Carter rounding into form oh it's huge um you know Joya everyone knows the amount of talent Joya has Um, she's a fantastic player um she changes the level of game I mean um you know playing being able to play off the dribble and you know not many people can stop you know her pull-up jumper and the, the, the things she does she's a very dynamic player and um to her defense I mean she's you know she struggles with injuries and her body's pretty beat up and so she's trying to take care of that nothing serious but um stuff that can hold you back and you know that kind of stuff can kind of get in the way and um kind of affect your athletic ability a little bit but um you know she's getting back into things and um she played great last night and we did that's all we need from her um you know she's she's a big impact player for us so um just hope she keeps it going gabby i'll let you go on this and uh, i know the the steel totals uh weren't monstrous last night you guys had four mm-hmm. but again uh you you did a pretty good job at times protecting the basketball what's keyed the defensive improvement for this team this season well we're setting records for steals you guys obviously with with nancy in there have done done a great job in blocking shots in the combination with vv but it, it really seems like it started with some of the pressure from the guards from yourself from joya from maddie manning from chelsea dungy what's kind of keyed that defensive improvement this year yeah um you know i think uh Coach TK is he kind of slid over to defense. They all have different um, position coaching for offense, defense, and and he's taken over defense. and And we've had some fun with it. You know, we really um, back in what August we went to Spain. Um, we worked on you know kind of becoming more of a pressing team. You know, messing around, getting up full court, um, doing our one three one that kind of gives people spits. and And we love it. Obviously, it, it it's not always uh, it's, it's pretty tiring. But you know, especially for Maddie up top, running around, flying around. But um, that's kind of you know you kind of when you need it go on a run we we went to that and um our one three one trap has been huge for us you know maddie's length and um you know people like nisi and chelsea enjoy other speed uh, and peyton so um it's been fun and i think we've uh we've really you know kind of developed uh, a more defensive presence and uh i love that because you know you gotta you gotta be on the defensive end to to win these big 12 games and so um if we can just keep growing on that it, it, it'll be great 
Well, thanks for joining us for the Sooner Sports Podcast. Appreciate everyone downloading and listening. As always, you can uh, subscribe at SoonerSportsTV slash podcast. Have a great non-football weekend, and we'll go all in on hoops next week right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at SoonerSports.TV slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the Air. Podcast.